welcome to Zdenix English Podcast. And here is another episode for you. This time, I actually have a special treat for you. I am talking on Skype with a cool English teacher who little bit reminds me of myself as a teacher. Welcome to the podcast, Marvin. How are you? How are you doing, Zenek? I'm all Wonderful right. to be here. <laughs> Great. Uh, so after all those initial technical problems, I hope this time it's uh, going to work. I'm sure that it will. Uh, the good thing is, is that when something like that happens, it makes it even better when we get it done. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, I can see that on uh, there's like a window popping up on my screen saying that the call is being recorded. So it 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 seems to be well and good. That cannot be a negative thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was slightly confusing there, the, the double negation. But I think yep. it, it was all on purpose. So, I'm going to um, throw, throw you a couple of those idioms and curveballs okay. uh, during this. <laughs> Lovely. Just don't throw me off too much, man. <laughs> I won't. You're good. You're very good. Thanks. So, uh, basically, first of all, um, well, you are an English teacher from England, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. So a native speaker, English teacher. That's that's great. We always love to have guests like that on the podcast. So why do you think why do you think I said that you little bit remind me of myself? Uh, I would like to think it's because of uh, the positive nature or the fact that we do the same thing. Uh, it got to have something to do with that. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I would say that. Well, obviously we are both teachers, uh, uh, English teachers, but I. It seems to me as if you were the similar kind of teacher, like the one that likes to be very enthusiastic and uh, eager to to do his job. Oh, absolutely! Uh, I think we do share that. Yeah, and like the passion, the passion for the job, and maybe in a way we are a little bit different or like crazy doing it in a slightly <laughs> slightly different way. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I haven't yeah. actually seen you teach, but this is from what I gather. Yeah, and I actually think the same. When I was looking at uh, some of the things you were posting up on, on your page, I was always very interested uh, listening to your podcast as well. I think we definitely share that uh, that kind of uh, positive positive viewpoint. And also, I think we both have a big passion for it, so it's something that also interests me. I think we definitely connect on that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Well... Uh... This brings us to the next question. How do we two actually know each other? I think you have already touched up on it a little bit. Well, actually, uh, it's an interesting story, that, Zenek. Uh, I was on uh, the job at the, the time. I was working, and I was looking into uh, – I just finished my CELTA a while ago. I was teaching, mm-hmm. and I thought, I would like to listen to some information on the Delta Uh, that's the next step, hopefully, to eventually uh, running my own language school. So I went on to uh, the uh, podcast on iTunes, and I happened to find Zdenek's English podcast, and the uh, it was about the Delta. And I discovered your story of your progress, and I was uh, instantly hooked on that. Well, that's that's great to hear. I mean, it's it's a bit unusual, to be honest with you. It's definitely it, it's nothing official, really. It's just a, a random dude. Who has done the Delta and uh, is willing to share <laughs> his um, experience with um, the rest of the world, I suppose. Well, actually, I re- the thing I really enjoyed the most about it is because you you shown a certain quality that I also had in myself when I was listening. Hmm. And you was really unhappy with, I think, there was an assignment that you wasn't happy of how it went. 
yeah. and you were just getting angry at everyone. Uh, that happened to me on the Celta at one stage, and I just felt annoyed at everything. Yeah. I'll tell you the, the story about what I did, actually. I mm -hmm. mean, I didn't fail. This was like one of the practical lessons, and it was probably my third one I'd ever done. Okay. Uh, I, I had a teacher that they give you the feedback after the class, and she told me that my text was too small hmm. uh, on, on the board. Uh, the reason for that, the, the board was like, you know, those little fold-out ones. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. a proper board. Yeah. And and at the end of the class, I thought about it, and I was a little bit annoyed because uh, my text is probably one of my weakest parts. Mm -hmm. And we had a class with her the next day, mm -hmm. and she was uh, putting some information on the board in her class. Yeah. And the first comment that I made, uh, hello, Nettie, the uh, text is a bit small. And everyone laughed. <laughs> uh, so, so you actually, wait a minute. So did you pass that lesson or not? Yeah, I passed all of the lessons oh, that I did. Okay, okay, cool. I thought I thought you'd failed it, which which would be really rather ridiculous to fail a lesson because of the size of your, your writing on the board. Yeah, yeah. Some people did fail the lessons, uh, but I mean, I think to to fail them, you would have to deviate very far from what they asked from you. I guess. Yeah, I remember on my Salta, which was uh, I did that about two years ago. There were some who failed their lessons, but it was it was rather um, exceptional, really. Like when you go to Delta, it's it's much tougher there. They have like the set of criteria, and uh, it's uh, yeah, you have to. Yeah, I can a imagine. Lot of, a lot of boxes, really. Yeah, I can imagine. But it sounds like a challenge that I, I would relish to do that challenge. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely feasible. It's doable. It's just, it's just, uh, it's, it also depends on the way you do it, because I did it as an intensive two-month course. Now I'm talking about the module two um, yeah. in which you teach. It's the practical part. And it, it, it is really, it is really tough if you do it in two months because then you, there's absolutely no time for you to stop, basically. So it's very intense and like it's a lot of work. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, they do that same with the Celta as well. They offer that as a one month. Uh, I couldn't do that at the time because I was working, hmm. so I took uh, the the part time version, which I do think was better for the development hmm. because you could go away, think about what you had to do, uh, try and improve on the things you felt that you weren't so good yeah. at, and then you could come back and do better than the next one. I actually think that there is no one single standardized version of this because I heard that there were like four month and even six month course and or, or just one year course so it's really there are different ways to do it so just find the one that suits you best you do want it's to good. do yourself yeah. that right am i right oh yeah, yeah i've done the celta yeah it's uh, the, the delta i, delta, want to I do, mean definitely yeah. oh sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i definitely would like to do it okay lovely do you, um have you set set yourself a date for that or not yet not yet. My idea for this year was to work and work and just keep on improving myself in the, in the development of teaching. And then when I felt that I was at a certain plateau, a certain mm -hmm. level, mm -hmm. that then I would uh, put myself in for that. Okay. Well, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> and believe me, Hopefully, in, my friend. Yeah. And believe me, in this career, you will, you will often feel that you are at a plateau. And it's sometimes – like we, we are at a risk of um, – um, getting to the point where it, it's, it's referred to in psychology as a burnout, actually, a burnout syndrome. 
Have you heard about that? <laughs> yeah, I know all about burnout. <laughs> it happens a lot because I train also a lot, like uh, running and sports. And after a while of doing the same training for a long time, you do start to feel that burnout. Like you can get a mental burnout or a physical one. Yeah, but I think it's it's the mental one might be even worse. Because yeah, with, with I the agree. With the physical one, well, you 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 know, you just all you have to do is just to take a break, and then come back to it later when you recover. But with the mental one. I think it's it's individual and different people re react to it differently and you know it's it's never easy. Yeah, no, I have to agree. Hopefully, we never burn out again. <laughs> All for the positive of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that's something that kind of caught my interest. I have to say, like when well, I added you on Facebook and I've been uh, sort of following mm. you there, like seeing what kind of. Um, um, posts you leave on on the wall and stuff and then you have this facebook group which is basically about your language school that you work for genius language school am i right uh you're half right that's actually my own business uh language school ah okay okay so it's your, yeah yeah my dream is to make that into a very like a real one in the future like a big physical school that i can put all my ideas and criteria in there mm -hmm. that sounds sounds lovely uh, what I wanted to say is that I noticed that you even posted some videos there, and it's really interesting. And I, it caught my interest that you're trying to be positive and motivating your students, and and really, really nice, uh, lovely short videos. Would there be any chance for my listeners to to hear uh, to to watch these videos, maybe? Oh, absolutely, anytime. I so, mean, I love doing those those videos. I mean, uh, I think the power of positivity and the power of influence, like uh, as a teacher, they are, they are the best gifts that we can give. Mm. Yeah, I I, uh, I have to agree. So where where could they where could my listeners um, see your videos? Uh, they can find those videos on the language school page, which is a genius language school. Mm -hmm. uh, there is another one with a name, the same name, but. The logo should be nice and easy to recognize. It's like yellow and blue with a big genius and three stars. That then you can find that that's my page. Okay, so so it's we are talking about the Facebook group, yeah? It's not on yes. YouTube. It's not on YouTube yet, or uh, not yet. I will put them up there. Mm. Uh, for now, you can mm. find all the videos on the Facebook page. Okay, yeah, lovely. Uh, I I do recommend these to my students because they are really lovely. I said, I'm very happy. When I say students, I mean I mean listeners. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sometimes I <laughs> confuse listeners for students, but that, that's not the same thing actually. <laughs> the likeliness, the likeliness is that they could be students. It could be, yeah. Well, I know about some of my students who listen, but it's it's a large minority, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good listen. I mean, uh, of all of the English language uh, school podcasts that go, the language podcast, there are yours and Luke's one are the ones I, I prefer. Well, I, I have to say that I'm very flattered that you would even consider putting me at that level. But not, I mean, my, I, I suppose what, what my podcast could be um, good for is that the students could realize that it is possible to get there at that level as a, as a non-native speaker. I could, I could be as, uh, set as an example maybe to them or something like that. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, I think you, you hold a certain key of power uh, in this because uh, you can inspire even more so than a native because being a non-native and reaching the level that you have is something that you can show to everyone that wants to get to that level that doesn't ever see an example of that. Obviously, you can, you can provide that. Hmm. 
yeah, I, um, I think there are more uh, disadvantages to being a non-native English teacher, but there are some advantages, and I would agree with you on this one. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so I also I also know about you, Marvin, that you teach uh, on Italki, which is um, an online uh, service for students all around the world that they can actually uh, book lessons, English lessons with community tutors and also language English language teachers. Not just English; it's all, actually all different languages there. Am I right? Yes, actually, uh, I'm considering uh, starting to learn Italian as well. Uh, I already know Spanish to a kind of like intermediate, low intermediate level. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I talk I think it's a game changer in terms of languages because uh, getting one-to-one -one tuition, I think, can be a lot more focused than, for example, teaching inside the language school. Mm -hmm. Then again, you don't have the support of your peers, but at the same way, it's it's good to have many different ways of learning. Okay. So as a as a learner, as a learner, if if I was to learn a language or at least improve my own language ability, like get it to higher level, what would you what what should I do? Should I um, book a lesson with Italki or should I go to a, a regular classroom? I think, I mean, this is my personal opinion, but I think uh, italki is good for anything intermediate above. Mm -hmm. I think that that way, the acceleration of breaking the intermediate plateau is something that you can achieve a lot easier with italki. Hmm. Is it is it because you have more, uh, like, uh, you have more folk, like you're more focused? Uh, the, the, like you are the only focus there for the teacher, basically, and it's very, what, what do you say, like custom made? Yeah, I would say that's the main one, is that obviously you only focus on that one student. Another one is you don't have to wait for your turn to speak. Yeah. I mean, in this case, you are fully immersed into speaking with a native teacher. And if they're a professional qualified teacher, they know the direction. I think it's also important, obviously, that the teacher would listen a lot. We'll get to that in another question. But I think in this case, anything above, slightly above intermediate, mm. italki is a very good outlet. Mm. I guess it's good because it's kind of tailored to your needs and you are the only one there. It's one-on-one -on -one lesson, which you can also get in the classroom. And I, I still think like there is nothing that compares to face-to-face -face conversation, to be honest with you. But the problem in the classroom is that you often you often end up with a, a bunch of other students who might not, necessarily, might not necessarily be at the same level as you. Either they are higher or lower level. Or um, their their mot motivation is different than yours, and then it's a problem because you you can't satisfy everyone. So yeah, that's... I mean I, I would also agree. With, sorry, sorry, I'll let you finish then. No, 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 I'm finished. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I wanted to jump in so eagerly in that question, but I mean I think you're you're right in that sense because when a lot of the language schools they do the testing like for example i work at a school called london house school of english in westgate hmm. and they do testing which they get a score then they're sorted into groups it doesn't practice every single skill so you always end up with like a mixture of level i mean they are close but yeah like you said yeah. the desire and everything is different so you need to get all of the students on your side like once you bring them round and they're all on your side, I think then you have a harmonious class where everyone enjoys and everyone is learning without really it being so direct. So I think that cannot be replaced by a one-to-one -one online session. 
that's one of the, the gifts, uh, one of the beautiful things about the language school classroom, I feel. Yeah, I think there are advantages and disadvantages in both. But what, I, like, I like the point you said uh, about the basically placing students in the wrong classes. That happens more often than it should, right, doesn't it? I mean, we are talking about the placement test, really. And I think the problem here is that everybody is just trying to save money. And did they just give the students the just a, an ordinary placement test, like where they test only their grammar and vocabulary, and that's it basically, because they just do A B C D, and yeah, and it doesn't really test their, as you said, their uh, skills, and that's that should be the most important thing. That should be the main focus according to the um, current methodology. So it's just it's just wrong. They should you should speak to the student at least for five or ten minutes or something. That's the that would be the best indicator of um, where, at what level the student is. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Zene. And actually, you've mentioned something that we could uh, exploit ourselves as teachers. Imagine if, I'm not sure if you've done it, I haven't done it, I've thought about it. Uh, what about if we developed, you know, if, if, if teachers took it into their own hands to develop certain level tests, that tested all of the four skills, well, mm. the five skills, because of thinking, I think, is an underrated skill. But if you did that, I think it would be a lot easier to gauge the level that they were. Absolutely, but the, I'm, I think we're coming back to the, the one problem, and that's that's the the costs of that. Because, like, would they would you be would you be paid for that? Would the teachers be paid for that? Would the language schools be willing to to pay the teachers for that? You know, that's that's the problem. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And I can see that I think it's, money. It's, yeah. Yeah. Money talks. And I can see it's, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be different in England, but it, apparently it's the same everywhere. <laughs> well, I mean, I would say the, the London House school testing is, is pretty cool. I mean, I do like it. I do think that they do. I mean, the recent groups I've had have been in the right class. Hmm. Uh, but uh, obviously you can have occasional I think when it gets to the lower levels the intermediates the lower than that mix in those groups they seem to be a bit harder for example the last groups I had they were all 99s or 97s or 96 out of 100 hmm. so they were upper intermediate advanced and they were all very strong students yeah but when I last summer I had a group of intermediates and some of them were lower some of them were higher it hmm. was uh, it was hard to gauge. They weren't all at the same level. And when that happens, some of them are slower, some of them are faster. So you have to try to adapt. That that makes the job of the teacher, I think, a little bit harder. Well, so, who... I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go on, finish, finish. Oh, sorry, I was saying, <laughs> don't worry. I was saying that, uh, yeah, like the, the job of the teacher then becomes a bit harder because you have to mold it all together. You have to develop your ideas and, and tailor them to the whole. And yeah. I think that, as long as you get them on your side, I think they learn a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it can get really demanding for the teacher if, if there are more levels in the class. And who doesn't, who, like, who hasn't experienced this, doesn't know what we are really talking about. But there's one thing from the point of view of the student, but then the teacher can also get very frustrated. Like, you have no idea how frustrated I was this year when I was teaching my group of Chinese students. And they they were supposed to be using um, upper intermediate book, yeah. But uh, we we knew straight away that that wasn't possible. So my boss told me, okay, let's use the intermediate book. Yet still, there were about four different levels in that class. There were 16 Chinese students, 
and some of them were elementary, some of them were pre-intermediate, and then you had like two upper intermediates. That was really that was madness. That's, wow. I yeah, mean, yeah. It's just, yeah, it just breaks wow. all all the didactic principles. Everything that we, I uh, I heard in Delta, uh, at the um, at the Delta, it's just. But unfortunately, that's the that's the nature of the business sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I've never experienced that. I mean, if that happened to me, I would just go off book. I mean, a lot of the time, I don't use the book anyway. Yeah. I mean, I do prefer, I do use certain materials, but I do like to use a lot of my own ideas as well. Mm -hmm. uh, in at London House, where you work, you have a lot of material. I mean, they have almost hundreds of of advanced, intermediate, all level books that you can photocopy and use. I mean, I've never ha experienced the issue that you you had. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I worked in Mexico very briefly. Oh. Uh, I went to work at uh. a university, and, and that was lovely. But they pretty much, I mean, I went there, and it was like they just gave me free reign over everything. It felt like they were treating me as like some kind of... Superstar. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I felt like that going in. I didn't expect that at all. Hmm. That's great. Well, yeah, I, I, that's 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 an and that's another interesting thing we could we could talk about. Like, what what how should you prepare your lessons? Should you should you use book materials or should you go for your own or should you find some sort of mix between these two? Or what I do is that I, I often play board games with my students, and those I found are popular with any levels, and they and the. The mixed levels don't matter that much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're completely right on that. Uh, for, I love, uh, that's one thing I've developed a lot recently is my use of gaming mm. in the class. Mm. Uh, when I worked at, at the London House School, it was one hour 30 for the second class mm -hmm. of the day. You would have one that was two hours, which I did, like all the skills. Yeah. And then the second one, I would do all games, but I would do so many different ones. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I tried doing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with synonyms and autonyms recently. Yeah. I found that hilarious. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> but actually. They get in, yeah. yeah. I was saying, they get really excited, though. And when you know you've got them on your side, when they're all going crazy, like I had literally, I was... Sitting there, I said, okay, the first team to beep uh, gets to answer the question. And uh, it was a big mistake in an Italian class because <laughs> they were absolutely insane. They're like, beep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them said to me, how can you like Juventus? <laughs> I was at this point, at this point, I was like, okay, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Well, funny enough, funny enough, well, I, uh, I used to live in England. It was about 10 years ago. And I remember actually there was a teacher who was playing exactly this game with us. Who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was just one class, but I, I remember that quite vividly. <laughs> I think they got cameras in my classes, and I'm not happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? You have to be careful. You never know. You, you could be spied on or something. You know, like, yes, it's possible. <laughs> you are living in a country of James Bond, after all, so that shouldn't be much of a surprise. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the students are for my eyes, my eyes only. <laughs> all these classes, <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you when it comes to the, the games. I think uh, the games with them are brilliant because they don't know they're learning, and mm -hmm. I think sometimes that's the best way. Uh, when I mean, I had 
the loveliest group of Italian students mm-hmm. just now, and I, I wish they never went home. They were yeah. just so fun. Yeah. So fun. Well, um, I mean, I sometimes I have to say I feel a little bit guilty because I, like, I'm a massive board game fan. Yeah, I'm a, like something we could call a board game geek. And I some, love them too. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> what I think I feel a little bit guilty because I maybe implementing too many board games in my classes recently and um, like I know it wouldn't pass a lesson during a delta so but yeah. then again does does it mean that all your classes have to be delta like lessons you know who are they to tell us what we should do if it works I completely agree. I mean, what I think about this, I don't think there are ever too many games. If the students are happy, the students are learning. Yeah. In my opinion, I mean, I know repetition is the mother of learning, but in the case of uh, like playing games and doing things like this, if they're enjoying it, yeah. they're more likely to pursue the language. Exactly. If, yes. if we were to give a Delta, Celta, or, you know, lesson every time, state your aims, yep. do vocabulary, do an elaborate piece of work yep. on neats. I mean, no one cares about this. I mean, these things are not going to, to inspire. I mean, by all means, I think the Delta, what it does, it gives you more strings to your bow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, you know, it yep. gives you more that more if things you see students, they need certain things. You have the ability to give them that. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean you have to follow everything that Delta tell you to do. I think it gives you even a bit more than that, but like at the same time, I, I just like to break these rules sometimes because I, I know <laughs> I know it works, just just as what you are saying. Like the students get motivated, they, they get engaged so much, they even forget that they are at the lesson. And I think it it works a little bit better with the with teenagers and children, you know, because some adults Absolutely. might might think, and it has happened to me as well. That if you play too many games, that they are not learning anything, and it's yeah, it's, it's also true. So you have to be careful um, and um, decide um, according to what group you're teaching. Yeah, but in, do you know Marvin that there is actually um, a teacher, an English teacher? I think he's a native speaker himself, who calls himself a Tefl gamer. Have you heard about Tefl gamer? Oh, Tefl gamer. No, I haven't. Yeah. And I think he has got a website, and basically, oh, we. By the way, we are talking about uh, original, originally published board games now. Okay, not not oh, those. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So uh, the, I'm, I've got like a large collection, uh, collection of board games, and I um, often play them with my students. And there is a guy who actually builds lessons around these board games, so so that they they could be justified by experts. Basically, is... I, I think you should check that out because it's it's really cool there. Oh, you'll have to link me link me to that because that I, sounds very very innovative. I definitely will, but I, I'll even recommend you some some board games to buy. Um, if yeah, some 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 simple ones they are not even that expensive. And oh, so, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So what you get is that oh, he's got like there's one article about his ten top ten favorite um, board games and. I think most of them have got um, a lesson plan there as well for you to download for free. So that's that's cool. Yeah, that does sound really awesome, actually. I mean, I was actually inspired when you told me you created the games. Uh, I've got a lot of information that I've written on a notepad to create my own one. Mm-hmm.